0: Potters, Podders, I'm your host, Sky Guasco. This is episode 80 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast, and I'm joined today by Daniel Sancato. Once again, recapping our 2018 breakout players and pump-the-break players for 2018 preseason predictions. Before we get into today's episode, I want to give you another reminder about our open intern positions here at the TCK Pod. We're looking for interns to join us here at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. If you're interested, please send us an email or shoot us a DM on Facebook or Instagram email is tckpot at gmail.com and let us know what you can provide for us here at the candlestick kids fantasy podcast we're seeking content creators social media coordinator podcast co-host to join daniel Curley, as well as a podcast producer to help us with the edits and fully equipped audio and potentially bringing in a youtube channel for 2019 if this sounds like anything you can help us out with please get at us as soon as possible As of now, these are not paid positions, but we do have a goal to grow to a point where we can accommodate and compensate appropriately. Until then, we're counting on the support and teamwork of our listeners and community. But enough business talk for now. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Hey, TCK Potters, I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions, like how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or phone call. And we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Daniel, what's up, brother? How are you, buddy?
1: Doing well, my man. Uh, just kind of counting down, looking towards, uh, uh, you know, uh, start of the upcoming season. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to take a break from the podcast in a couple after a couple more episodes and, and focus on some other life stuff, but uh, just kind of getting my last little sentimental kicks on 2018 here.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you know, of course, this, uh, as we mentioned multiple times, this podcast kind of started for you, me, and Curly as a uh, Uh, strictly a hobby, um, more just to kind of talk shop about, you know, with each other, stay in touch. Um, You know, we're, we're lifelong childhood friends, but you know, life happens. We live in three different States these days. So it's nice for us to keep in touch and check in, but we're also very dedicated to fantasy sports. It's a lot of fun. Um, But you know, the rest of life does also happen and you and Curly are are very busy in the educational field. I'm I'm also very busy in the music uh, world. So, you know, uh, I, I commend you for uh, staying focused and putting as much dedication and time into this podcast as you do on top of the rest of your real world activities. So um appreciate you joining us all the time and uh, we'll miss you here on the podcast for the time being. But you'll be joining us once the season kicks back up and, and we'll get back to it. But uh, we'll get the offseason rolling without you after a couple more podcasts. But we're not done yet. So let's get into it here. My time to shine. It's alive. It's alive. it's alive! it's alive!
1: It's alive! It's alive! But it's not about what I see. It's about what you see. Now look in this mirror and tell me again what you see. What <clears throat> oh, I see. Pride! Pride! Pride. Power! Power! see a badass mother who, who won't take, take no, no crap off of nobody again i see pride can I hear you i see power i see a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody once again i see pride junior i see power i see a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody that's right, that's right. Junior Beville.
0: uh we've oh. got breakouts from last year and these are players that either didn't quite hit the stride we thought they were going to or hadn't hit it yet and we were expecting bigger things to go down um, from their previous season in 2017 and we're going to follow that up with pump the break players pump the breakouts rather players that um, we kind of were slowing the hype train a little bit Uh, you know there's there's a lot of hype in the offseason for all sorts of reasons coaching changes draft position Um, new team, new quarterback, new receiver, whatever. Guy coming off an injury, yada, yada. There's tons of shit. There's a lot of hype trains going around, and we wanted to pump the brakes on certain players, so we're going to check in on our accuracy on those. So let me kick it off with our breakout players here. We're going to go with quarterback Deshaun Watson. Now, this is kind of a tricky one um, because basically I – you could. A lot of people could argue that he broke out in 2017 um, as a rookie. Uh, but as a rookie, I think it's kind of tough to consider that a breakout because we have nothing to wage it on. I know that you made a very valid point in our, one of our first podcasts for this new uh, this new season here, rebooting after the playoffs in the NFL and the Super Bowl uh, just a couple of weeks ago. We had gone over things we had learned in 2018, putting toward 2019. And I think you brought up a really good um, – you know, just a, a draft strategy potentially, and that's targeting second year quarterbacks. And right. I hadn't really thought about it until you brought it up. And I did a little bit of research. And you're right, man. I mean, like all of the rookie quarterbacks last year did pretty well. Obviously, Baker was ridiculous once he got the start, and Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, you could also argue, and yep. uh, Sam Darnold had had flashes. And I yep. think Sam Rosen just got a shitty position. We don't really know what his potential is yet, but all of those guys, you can make a case that they're all sleepers with the exception of Baker at this point, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I Um, don't think
1: you can call a sleeper anymore. No,
0: no, (laughs) No. but everybody, everybody else, I think you could, you could, if you're doing the late quarterback strategy, you could look at that situation for all of those guys and they're all second year quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson came into last year as a second year quarterback. And, and I thought that he was just going to catch stride once again. And uh, he certainly did in his rookie season. He played six games and he had uh about 1,700 yards and 240 yards per game, 19 touchdowns and eight interceptions. In 2018, coming back, he played a full 16 games, 500 attempts, 68 completion percentage, which is solid, over 4,000 yards uh, passing, 260 yards per game, 26 touchdowns and nine interceptions. So he increased that, uh, that ratio, and he had five games over 300. He has you know, one of the top tier receiving cores if uh Will Fuller and um Kiki Huti can stay healthy, but New Hopkins is in the league of his own for sure up up there with the elites. Um that that general offense of Houston is, you know, really solid. So I would I would count this. I, I think this is a legit yep. breakout for for Deshaun Watson, really putting himself in that upper echelon uh with with the the I wouldn't say elite quarterbacks uh yet. Um, but I think he's in that top tier for sure. I mean, myself, I have Mahomes, Rogers, Luck, Deshaun Watson right now. Yep. Um, that's, and that's, he's a right. top four quarterback, and that's that's a big deal, man. I think if you miss on Mahomes, uh, in like say what the second or third round, Jesus Christ, and you don't get Rogers and say maybe what the third, fourth, fifth round, depending on your draft, Watson is that first name I'm looking for in the fifth or sixth round, uh, because I still want that upside. And again, his receivers stay healthy. I, I, you know, we've seen him go nuclear, and I think that he could have a a great season again, and and just um, you know extrapolate on those those numbers in in 2019.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'll, I won't say much for right now because I was extremely mum on on uh, Watson heading into last year. I actually put him as my quarterback for the pump the breakouts, which yep. we're gonna get to in a little bit. So I'll talk more about why I thought that then. But uh, yeah, I think we for now we can we can just. Uh, Say that. Needless to say, I was incorrect. Uh, and he's a he's a beast, uh, and and I love him, and I'm targeting him this upcoming year. Uh, so for my uh, breakouts, I chose Pat Mahomes. What do you think? Did, did Pat Mahomes break out? I don't know. It's not entirely. Uh, you
0: know what? I'm gonna give. I'll give you the point. I'll give you the point. Okay. All right. I, I mean, 50 touchdowns get, is pretty good.
1: 50 touchdowns. It's 12 interceptions, 5,097 yards. Uh, he threw he threw for at least three touchdowns in 10 of 16 games. Um, the guy is, uh, the guy has a robotic arm that, that can launch footballs, like people hit golf balls. I mean, like, yeah, I, I, the, the, the guy, I don't think there's anything more that needs to be said about him at this point. Um, and again, next year, the only real thing that anybody could say heading into next year is that, you know, he might see some, some negative regression in terms of the touchdown numbers, but, uh, you know, the, the supporting, all of his supporting cast is going to be returning. Uh, with the exception of, uh, obviously, Kareem Hunt, which he did, he did fine without Kareem Hunt uh, in the last five weeks of the season and in the postseason, so no, no real concern there. Um, so there's, a real, there's actually a real chance that he could somehow get better, which would be terrifying for the rest Jesus. of the league. But um, so, so needless to say, uh, he's, he's a, a stud, um, and, and he is going to be, without a doubt, the top quarterback uh, in drafts going into this upcoming
0: year. Okay, so hypothetically... Hypothetically, Patrick Mahomes throws 10 less touchdowns, which I think yep. is a long shot. I don't think he'll throw yep. 50 again per se. Right. Right. But say he throws 40. Right. Last year, he would have still been leading the league <laughs> with 40 touchdowns. Andrew Luck was second in the league with 39. Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan had 35. So he's literally 11 touchdowns ahead of the second place dude. I mean, he's yep. a fucking monster. And we yep. saw Alex Smith who was left for dead in San Francisco, come to come to Kansas City and become an MVP-type quarterback under Andy Reid. I mean, Mahomes is a, is a supremely better athlete than, than uh, um, Alex Smith, and Andy Reid's not going anywhere anytime soon, and this Chiefs roster is just getting better, and they're young and healthy. Um, dude, I, I mean, realistically, before you get out of the podcast here for the rest of the preseason – just because I think it's a it's a hot debated topic. Realistically, what do you think Mahomes' numbers-ish would be? Passing yards, touchdowns. <laughs> uh, I'm
1: going to go ahead and say, hmm, this is tricky. So, so just can...
0: just for perspective, really quick, sorry to repeat you. He had, uh, no, no. He had about 5,100 yards passing, yep. Which, yep. which was just behind Ben Roethlisberger, and he had 50 touchdowns.
1: Yep. Do
0: you yep. think he'll come close to either one of those?
1: I think I think he will surpass in yards. That's that's my kind of bold prediction. I think he throws more than fifty one hundred. I think I think he eclipses fifty two. That's my personal that's my personal opinion. I do think the touchdowns will regress a little bit. Uh, that's just statistics, basically. It's just it's incredibly unlikely that he's able to throw fifty. But I don't think, as you said, if if he threw ten less touchdowns, I don't think he will. I think he I think he can get to forty five which is obviously still hugely impressive and would would almost undoubtedly lead the league. So I'm going to say right now that he'll throw for 5200 yards and 45 touchdowns.
0: Man, love it. Yeah, I uh I have to agree, man. I have to agree. And and if you if you really look close, they had, you know, they they kind of like invented that little touch pass where Tyreek yeah. Hill just runs a little fucking option, you know, right. like a motion route behind the line right. of scrimmage, they right. hike it, he, you know, basically hands it off but technically like passes it to him a little bit yeah (laughs) for a little reverse play and then the rest of the league started doing that but you know they had like you know four four or five of those touchdowns that Mahomes got credit for were
1: those the rest of the league also does not have Tyreek Hill
0: no (laughs) who's one of the fastest
1: receivers I've ever seen Um, yeah so absolutely
0: absolutely so um you know we'll see I I do think I do think there's going to be a downgrade and I think Damian Williams is fine I do think there's a downgrade, though, in what Kareem Hunt actually brought as an athlete. Again, we're talking on the field. But as an athlete, I think there's going to be a downgrade with Damian Williams. I think that's going to, to bring back the offense a little bit in general. Yeah. But you could also make the argument <laughs> that that might yeah, just they... turn Mahomes loose even more um, sure. to, to really yeah. make it happen. You know, so anyway, and, yes.
1: And a small sample, but but after Kareem Hunt got suspended last year, Mahomes and the offense was just fine. Uh, so so yep. I don't I still think, you know, overall, we'll see if that if that's the same thing over the course of it, of 16 games. But uh, but overall, I don't I don't see too much uh, in terms of reason for concern.
0: Right. Totally agree. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're beating, uh, beating a beating a live horse, I guess, with uh, with, with <laughs> Pat Mahomes. I mean, there's nothing really we need to, to say here. It's just it's fun to talk about. It's fun it's to fun talk to, about greatness man it's, it's I so mean fun. and
1: he's the ultimate is just getting out getting outside of fantasy for a second he's just I mean he's so fun to watch I, I mean just just watch it. I I think you know in terms of a play, you know, player that I think is maybe the most fun player to watch in the in, in the sport in any sport maybe right now uh, you know a case could be made for for what Pat Mahomes can do with his arm is is really something special
0: sure I totally agree man. He is a lot of fun. He's he's kind of I mean a lot of people you know compare him to uh you know Mike Vick as far as the scramble and the launch but he doesn't have the wheels necessarily at least we haven't seen him. He is right. just kind of like a Madden quarterback though where you just like roll yeah. out automatically and right. then just kind of wait and then just fucking chuck the shit out of it and complete complete more often than not and and get that locked out shot. Somehow
1: the ball goes like through the defender's face and and the receiver catches it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yes, exactly. So, yeah, he's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. So, all right, we'll move on here. I've got my running back here. Uh, My breakout was Alex Collins, and uh, this was really disappointing, honestly. I I, I think the whole fantasy world – I don't think I was alone on this pick, I guess I would say. Um, There was a lot of hype for Alex Collins coming in. You know, your boy uh Dixon wasn't quite ready yet. He got hurt again. Um Gus Edwards didn't exist yet. So coming in, I thought that, that Alex Collins was his job to lose. And I guess it was, but he yeah. lost it. And yeah. I feel yeah. like, he, no, no, he didn't. He, he, he played in 10 games. He had only 400 rushing yards, um, under four yards per carry. He did have seven touchdowns, but, you know, I had him on a couple of teams because I was hyped on him. And he never got a touchdown when you were stoked about it. It was kind of like a worse version of Jordan Howard. Like the hype on Jordan (laughs) Howard and Alex Collins I thought was the same going into last year. And I feel like they performed similarly with Jordan Howard getting more overall numbers because he played the whole season. But Alex Collins I thought was going to be a receiving back. He only had 15 receptions and 100 yards there and a touchdown. It didn't really do much. Um, Not really stoked uh, what's, what's going on with Alex. I mean, he may not even have a job uh too long in the NFL unfortunately I think that the Ravens brought him in as like a let's see what's going to happen with them you know coming in from Seattle then to Minnesota and into Baltimore he's kind of been a journeyman anyway I think he's a competent running back um but he just he's not special unfortunately for him and therefore I don't think you know Uh, finding a job in the NFL I think will be fine for him for the next couple of years as a decent running back, but I don't think he's going to get to that number one running back position on even a team, let alone fantasy, unless some people get hurt ahead of him. So this is just a complete bust. This is a whiff, unfortunately. I mean, Buck Allen was nothing. You know, Kenneth Dixon wasn't really much until the very end of the season, but Gus Edwards came in, took the league by storm, and Alex Collins just eventually faded out and and was – kind of uh, cast into oblivion, unfortunately. So yeah. this is this is just a full whiff, and I I really, I really really thought um, he was going to be solid. And the reason I thought that is because Collins ended the season last year as the wide receiver, uh, excuse me, running back eight in PPR um, and standard formats behind only Alvin Kamara, Gurley, Lev, Ingram, Shady, Melvin Gordon, and Deion Lewis. Mm. You know, so I thought the yeah. hype was real because he ended so hot, but he just – Clearly, the candle, uh, the candle was blown out very quickly in Baltimore, and uh, and unfortunately for Alex Collins, it's it's not looking good moving forward.
1: Yep, yeah, it's too bad. Uh, And this is kind of one of those one of those situations where, you know, this is kind of the same reason why I'm 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 trying to learn from Alex Collins a little bit because I was with you. I mean, I I don't think it was uh, unusual or or or, uh, you know or or silly. I mean, I think a lot of people were really hot on him going into the year, and this is you know kind of illustrates the. The uh, the you know you should be a little bit wary of of small running backs that perform well in a relatively small sample. This is why last episode I mentioned Damian Williams, who who seems like a, a pretty impressive talent. I mean he did a lot last year. And granted, it's a different situation. The Chiefs are a whole different offense, far better offense, uh, yeah. <laughs> far far better offense, obviously. But 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 just in general, this is one of those cases where you know, for for somebody who performs really well in a small sample, people probably should. Think about pumping the pr- – I mean, take each situation independently. Obviously, no situation is the same. But, uh, but you know, Alex Collins is a good reminder that, that you know, su- success doesn't always translate from year to year. Um, so, so, yeah. But nevertheless, you know, I, I, I thought your, your reasoning here was solid. He was impressive in 2017. At this point, especially given the legal troubles he's wrapped up in now, um, it's going to be tough for him to reemerge as a significant force on a team. We'll see how it goes. Maybe, maybe he recoups some of his value at some point. He is still young. He's only twenty-four, um, but uh, but he's going to definitely have a have a long road back to relevance. Yep. Um, my running back uh, for the breakout was Aaron Jones, and this was sort of an interesting one. Uh, he finished in PPR leagues. He finished as the running back number twenty-one. Okay, but you know, you got the sense that he was so much better than that. I don't really know what to say about Aaron Jones at this point. He seems unfortunately doomed, as long as he's in Green Bay, to be a part of committee. Um, Which is so dumb. It's incredibly dumb. And I was confident that Matt LaFleur was going to put an end to all that, but he's already come out and said that, uh, you know, he thinks the committee approach with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones is the most effective. Whoopsies! I I, I mean, come on. Jamal Williams is just a plotting you know, run straight to the best, as best you can and hope that nobody knocks you down running back. Uh, I I will say that Jones apparently came in, he was called out for his conditioning uh, recently, uh, you know, so I don't really know exactly what's going on over there, but um, Aaron Jones seemingly, despite the fact that he's looked downright dominant at various points, um, seems to have just be unable to entirely earn the trust of the coaching staff over there to be, a true bell cow running back. Um, So at this point, despite the fact that when he's been, you know, given carries, he's done quite a lot with them. Um, So I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't think I can give myself credit for a breakout here. I don't think it's the breakout that I was expecting. I thought that he had a very real chance to be a running back one by the end of the year. He definitely was not. Um, And then he got hurt and ended up ended the year on injured reserve. Um, So, so I, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes with him. I still have relatively high hopes. I mean, he's definitely being going to be drafted higher than he was the pre. I think people expect that he will ultimately win, uh, you know, something more like a bell cow job over Jamal Williams, who's really only virtue is that he can block. Um, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. It's kind of a frustrating situation. I think both you and I feel, I think the same way on this, where I think we, we feel like if he was given a shot to be a three down back, he could really turn some heads, but, uh, maybe the Packers know something that we don't. I'm not sure. God, they don't. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They don't. I mean, like, dude, I, I was I was equally hyped, maybe even more so on Aaron Jones last year. I remember taking him in our in our uh, in our uh, league of record draft in like the eighth round or whatever. And I remember, and I took carry on Johnson right after that. And I remember just like shaking and excitement like dude if these guys pan out i'm gonna win the league and yep. they both got hurt but when they played i was you know totally correct and i was stoked on it. again not so much like give myself kudos it was more just like doing the research and doing the review on these guys and i totally agree with you man i totally agree with you on the aaron jones jamal williams situation i let me test the waters here really quick before i get to my receiver <clears throat> Aaron Jones right now in ADP, uh, according to the uh, fantasy football calculator, which I think is a great asset for you listeners to check out. If you haven't yet, fantasyfootballcalculator.com. You can check out all your different ADPs, PPR, 12-team league position, <clears throat> years past, this year, whatever. It helps you out a lot with your uh, draft simulations. Right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you on who you would take, you know, in, in, in uh, whatever. round. it looks like the third round-ish, okay? You're in the third round of your draft, back of the third round, would you take uh, Aaron Jones or uh, Sony Michelle?
1: I'm taking Aaron Jones over Sony Michelle. I think. Okay,
0: Damian, uh, yeah. Damian Williams. I think we already talked about that. Aaron
1: Jones over. Yeah, I'll definitely take Aaron Jones over Damian Williams by a by a fairly considerable margin. I think. Okay.
0: Few more here. Philip Lindsay. Assuming he's yep. healthy. Obviously, he's got a broken Sorry. hand right now, but.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Assuming he's healthy, I still feel like Royce Freeman's going to do some stuff over there. Uh, no, I'm taking Aaron Jones. Okay, and Leonard Fournette. Yes, I'm taking him over Leonard Fournette. That's a little closer, just because he's so clearly the man, uh, as as at least as far as we can tell in Jacksonville, um, and and obviously he has the draft pedigree and all that. So that's a little closer. But just in terms of talent, I think that Aaron Jones is is uh, is
0: is an improvement on Leonard Fournette. Totally agree. Two more, really quick, because I'm actually I'm just curious personally. Um, yep. Darius Geis is in this mix. I'm going to take him out though right now, just because yeah. we don't know about him yet. Uh, carry yeah. on Johnson and Devontae Freeman.
1: Between those two?
0: Uh, Aaron Jones or Carrion oh, Johnson. Oh, or I'm, taking Aaron, I'm taking Aaron
1: Jones overall as good. Carrion Johnson I like, but I don't know what the hell to make of the Lions uh, in terms of how they're going to use him. Yeah. Um, and Devontae Freeman has, has, is risky. I mean, he's proven to be not super durable. Um, uh, so, so, yeah. No, I've taken Aaron Jones over every one of those players you just mentioned. I think wow. Aaron Jones is the top guy you can get after the, the quote-unquote bell cows. So, you know, the late bell cows that I have are like Mixon Chubb, david johnson dalvin cook after that i think you're getting into the realm of running backs that are risky in terms of what their timeshare is going to be yep. and i think aaron jones is
0: the best of that bunch love it dude i totally agree yeah. i totally agree awesome okay cool uh well the, the aaron jones <laughs> train what? has restarted say, here
1: full steam ahead although one thing i will say and just just to give some credit to the to the uh, Packers or whoever. Not that I'm really giving credit to them, but uh, he does need to show that he's more he's more durable over the course of the season. If you look yes. at his numbers from week three, he started week three because he was suspended for the first two games through week. Not, excuse me, week ten, he was a completely absurd. I mean, he was. Uh, if you just look at him just in terms of averages, he was one of the best backs in the league. Then week eleven through the rest of the season, he kind of tanked. He averaged under three or excuse me, under four yards a carry during that that stretch. So he definitely needs to show that he can sustain. A high performance over the course of the whole season to be really considered among the top. So that's the one kind of knock I will say on Aaron Jones.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, man. The, the injuries I think are the only thing setting him apart. <clears throat> I think he'll win out that battle in training camp and I think he's going to yep. win the battle in the preseason. Uh, Aaron Rodgers now runs the team, which I think is going to help out everybody. Um, yep. And uh, I think he likes Aaron Jones quite a bit as long as he can keep his head out of his ass, not get suspended and stay on the field in general. So I like Aaron Jones a lot. I'll move on here to my receiver, and that uh, is, was Mike Williams of the Chargers. Um, This was real simple, dude. I watched him play a lot at uh, Clemson. Of course, he and Deshaun Watson set the world on fire uh, at Clemson, beating Alabama in the national title and things. Uh, Dude, 6'4", red zone monster. Hunter Henry was out um, already by the time we set these predictions. I was really stoked on Mike Williams. And this is kind of one of those, like, I'll take it because it happened, but he didn't break out as much as I thought he actually would. And I'm a little bit surprised actually with Hunter Henry out now, Antonio Gates came back and was like actually competent, which surprised me. Um, but your boy Tyrell Williams was way better than I like gave him credit for. And like, not like better, better. Uh, he's now, yeah. in, he's now in Oakland. I think he'll be a good compliment to AB and, and we'll get into all that shit, you know, as the season comes up and stuff. But he was good at like the deep bomb from rivers, which I just thought Mike Williams was going to have. So I think yeah. a lot of those were taken away. Now Mike Williams did have the red zone prowess, which is great. Um, He had three games with two touchdowns, three games with, with two t- touchdowns in each game. He had 10 total touchdowns, which was beastie. And honestly, I think a bold prediction for maybe both of us already in the, in the, in the season is that we, I think maybe I'm speaking for you unnecessarily. Correct me if I'm wrong. We're both predicting, that Mike Williams has a better season overall in fantasy than Keenan Allen.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that that's, I mean, that's definitely bold. And I'm not saying necessarily draft Mike Williams. If you if you want to play it safe, uh, draft Mike Williams, ahead of Keenan Allen, if you want to play it safe, but I wouldn't be shocked. That's something that I think is a very, would be a very cool
0: prediction to make as a bold prediction. I yeah. do like Mike Williams a lot. Awesome. I totally agree. So anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll take it as a win uh, because he, you know, he did break out after getting hurt uh, in his rookie year, 2017. Um you know, but I, I I expect his numbers to explode this year, frankly. I mean, he had 43 catches in 16 games in 2018, 600 yards, you know, 664 yards and 10 touchdowns. I think he hovers around closer to 80 receptions, probably 1,000-plus yards, and I wouldn't be surprised if he duplicates double-digit touchdowns again. Again, Terrell Williams is now in Oakland. Hunter Henry is coming back, which I think could hurt him in the red zone. Yeah. But Mike Williams, unless they get somebody else I don't know about, Mike Williams is going to be the deep threat. And we know that, you know, although Rivers has the the fucking, I don't know how he throws the ball 40 yards when you watch him throw a football, it's unbelievable, <laughs> but he does get yeah. the ball down the field and he's quite accurate. So I think Mike Williams gets his numbers and Tyrell Williams numbers from last year. And uh, I'm expecting him to, to break out even further in 2019.
1: Yeah. I'm a fan uh, in general. I think a lot of, uh, he didn't, he was disappointing, this past year only because the yardage and the receptions weren't there. He only, he only caught more than five passes once the entire season. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, he made it, a, he made up for it in terms of touchdowns and and it just that, that highlights, you know, the types of, the type of playmaking ability he has um, for what it's worth. I don't know. You know, this could be GM speak. I, you know, you never put too much emphasis on this, but their GM said that he has the ability to catch a hundred passes. Um, and, and Absolutely does you
0: know, dude. He has- He's due
1: for, for an improved, a, a bigger role this upcoming year. But, you know, it's pretty much, the, other than the aforementioned Tyrell Williams, it's going to be the same supporting cast. Keenan Allen's going to be back. Melvin Gordon's going to be back. Who catches a ton of passes. Yep. Um, and, uh, and Hunter Henry's going to be, going to be playing. So, so, you know, it's not uh, – I have some trepidation, but in terms of the talent level, um, I, you know, there's no doubt that he has the capacity to be a top receiver in the league. So we will see. Uh, overall, I think, I think you were close on him being a breakout. I think it was, you know, i maybe it, premature. You
0: know,
1: premature, maybe a little bit, I put him in the same kind of vein this upcoming year. And I think that's going to extend to my receiver breakout a little bit. Uh, although I have a little bit more trepidation maybe, and that's Corey Davis, who I think a lot of people pegged for a breakout this past year. Um, needless to say that didn't quite happen. He finishes the wide receiver 26, not a disaster, but I think not what people were expecting when they drafted him in, you know, 5th round or so uh last year. Um and this just came down to to the offense was just kind of a mess a lot of the time. Um he he was the pretty much the only reliable option in Tennessee's offense, but he finished under 50 yards in 10 out of the, of the 16 games. Um uh, but he there's no doubt that he has I think in my opinion elite talent in the league. He was he's a record-setting star in college at Western Michigan. He, I still say he has the potential for a big uh, a big breakout this upcoming year and what is still only his third year in the league. But um, ultimately you have a situation where you have a relatively conservative West Coast-based offense. Uh, I don't know really what to make of Marcus Mariota at this point in terms of how healthy he is and, and how good he can even be. Um, so there's a lot of ifs that make him kind of a scary target. I still think the talent's there. Um, the Titans really, I think need to find some sort of receiving compliment to him because he's really the only game in town over there right now. Um, and I think, uh, you know, they need to have somebody else that can, that can draw some of the, some of the attention away from him if he's really going to break out. Um, but we'll see. I still like Corey Davis, but, uh, but he's somebody that given the, the state of their offense is, is a little bit concerning to me, uh, heading into the upcoming year. Needless to say, just in terms of the pick for 2018. I don't think we can call it a breakout. He was a serviceable but not really spectacular uh, receiver this
0: past year. And he finished. He finished his wide receiver 26, and he was drafted as the wide receiver 27. <laughs> so he was literally like, like yeah, yeah. I mean, he yeah. he he was right at he was right at his ADP. And you know, maybe yeah. maybe going into 2019, I'll, I'll specify a little bit more so we can have a gauge of like, did they hit it or not? Um, you know, I was thinking
1: I felt like he, some reason I felt like he was uh, he was being drafted higher than that. I guess I, I guess I was. Uh, no, I, I mean,
0: wrong. Yeah, yeah, wide receiver twenty seven, and this year he's going as the wide receiver thirty one. Yeah, uh, interesting. Like in sixth round, so he, he's even taking it taking a a toll here. I, I think you were right. You said the fifth round that he was getting drafted. Well, that's correct. It's just you know I, we're talking about a PPR league, right? So many yeah. more receivers after you get those top eight running backs and two or three two or three tight ends. It's all receivers after that, right? So they oh, yeah. they they go pretty quickly, but um, yeah. anyway, I, I you know what do you think about a breakout as far as um, what quantifies a breakout per se? I mean every situation's different, uh. But like, you know, if he finished as the you know he he uh, he was drafted as a wide receiver twenty six, if if he finished as the wide yeah. receiver sixteen, that would be a breakout. But if he finishes yeah. wide receiver what twenty one, you know, like five yeah. steps ahead, would that be a breakout? I don't think. Not quite right. Yeah. So
1: no, I think that's not a break. I, yeah, it's true. I suppose we should come up with some sort of uh, maybe ten criteria. or so and 10, ten slots higher or something along those lines. Might be might be our criteria going into the upcoming year. Uh, something along those lines. Sure. But, yeah, definitely better than the ADP by you know at least at least uh, you know around around you know and uh, or something along those lines a couple rounds higher than than uh, than they than than they were being picked at. I think.
0: Right. Cool.
1: Uh, one, thing, one thing I, I realized, I, I kind of uh, misspoke a little bit. I said that the Titans should, should get a compliment receiver. I forgot they did sign Adam Humphreys, who might uh, kind of be a, an interesting kind of possession solution that can maybe be, uh, be a nice compliment to Corey Davis. So maybe that does help get, uh, improve his value a little bit. Uh, we'll see.
0: Meh. Yeah, meh. That's, <laughs> that's my
1: feeling on Adam Humphreys in general. But he is a, you know, a relatively solid, you know, short possession type guy.
0: Yeah, I think, I I mean, obviously he he had some really, he had some really solid games. as like the fourth option in Tampa Bay last year. Um, So I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm not, sorry. I'm not trying to like talk shit on the guy or anything after like a year of somewhat success. I just, I'm not excited about the offense in general. I've already, I've already, uh, you know, uh, read my eulogy for my love for fucking Mariota, which is pissing me off. I think this is really going to ride through Derrick Henry, whether it works or not, just because of what happened at the end of last year. Um. I I just, I just don't believe in it. I mean, I think at best he's uh, um, Adam Humphries at best. I think he's going to be a Julian Edelman. And at worst, I think he's going to be a Danny Amendola, which I think is great. But those guys were very, very productive without scoring touchdowns because of Tom Brady. Yep. And I just don't think Tennessee is going to have a quarterback anywhere close to Tom Brady at any level of his career anytime soon. So I'm definitely concerned about that. And I do like Corey Davis, but I agree with you. If he's the only sheriff in town and Delaney Walker's not the guy anymore. if he's the only sheriff in town, I, I really am concerned about that. Yeah okay. Let's move on to our tight ends here and then we'll move on to our pump the breakout segment. Uh, mine was David and Joku for the breakout. and uh, you know this was this was I mean he did breakout ish as far as his numbers were better, uh, but he played a full 16 games two years in a row. Um, he increased his receptions by 24, increased his yardage by about 250 yards, had the same amount of touchdowns. So, like, not really a breakout. So I'm not going to count this one for myself. Um, this really just came down to, like, in, a confusing Cleveland offense last year. Um, coming in, I just thought that that David and Njoku was going to be the number one option. Um, it was Josh Gordon for, like, a second, and then he went to New England. And then they had all these other, like, rando receivers. <laughs> and I just didn't think Tarrod Taylor was going to be the guy. I did give Njoku a boost because of what Terod Taylor was able to do with Charles Clay, which was average yep. 50 receptions, 500-plus yards, three-and-a-half touchdowns in Buffalo. Um, now, he mm-hmm. eclipsed those numbers, David Njoku, who was a far superior athlete, I think, than Charles Clay. But then once, you know, Baker Mania hit, uh, Baker is more of a deep, deep thrower. And we're going to get into Baker and Odell and everything else, you know, as the season comes in. But as far as Njoku goes, I think he was just kind of lost in the mix a little bit. I mean, weeks 13 through the rest of the year, he had three receptions in every single game. And in two of those games, he broke for a long run, uh, 73 yards, 62 yards. But other than that, he had only one touchdown. So I think they just had a tough time, like, finding him. You know, he's uber talented. He's a freak. He's super athletic. I think he'll have a much, much bigger year. And actually he might be my breakout tight end for this year. Oh. He's one of he's David and Joko, I think is one of those guys that, uh, barring an injury, I don't think it'll happen, but he could be in that top three to four or five of tight ends coming into next year. If someone were to go down or somebody were to be traded or something going into next year and one of those tight ends falls off a little bit, Kittle, Ertz and Kelsey I'm talking about. In my opinion, David Njoku is is probably that that next guy. Um, yep. with with uh, how that Cleveland offense is looking uh, all of a sudden. Um, but I don't think I'm going to give myself credit for it yet. Uh, I am very excited for him in 2019, but again, there are many mouths to feed all of a sudden <laughs> in yeah, Cleveland. What the so hell. yeah, so we'll we'll uh <laughs> We'll see what goes on here, but I am very excited about David Njoku in general. I think he's he's uber talented. Um, you know, yeah. he's extremely athletic. Uh, he's he's six board. six four. You know, two fifty. Yeah. He's only twenty two years old, dude. He'll be twenty three right. when the right. season starts. I'm super stoked on David Njoku, Honestly,
1: he he has the fifth most receptions for any tight end in league history prior to turning twenty three years old. Does that first stat?
0: And um, and he hasn't had a quarterback yet
1: and he hasn't had a real quarterback exactly um yeah the dude is a, is a freak uh you know cyborg athlete um and and if he gets the opportunities i i feel pretty strongly that he's going to make the most of them so um so yep uh i think uh he's he will be a pro- popular breakout heading into this upcoming year in an improved offense uh with a uh you know, a full year of, of a most likely improved Baker Mayfield. So yeah, that's, that's a big deal. Jesus, dude. I'm so fucking hyped on the Browns, bro. <laughs> I, know, I know we're going to have to talk about, we're going to have to have an episode at some point on just teams that we're stoked about. Oh, uh, dude. I, think, I think the Browns will definitely be yours. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with the jets as my sleeper. I'll get into that at, at another time and why, why I think that, but, um, but yeah, I, I think the Browns to be sure I have a, I have a, a very real chance of winning their division to no give doubt.
0: you, to give you just a quick a quick insight on my fantasy team, our, our League of Record fantasy team, we have one keeper per season. We have to keep the guy the whole season from somebody we drafted, so no free agents, all that, yada, yada, to let the listeners know. I have Alvin Kamara, uh, AB, Joe Mixon. Um, I have on Johnson, Aaron Jones, and Baker Mayfield as my 17th round pick, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to go with Baker over yeah, all those guys.
1: I think that's a must. Uh, in, terms of, in terms of value. Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: not so. That, that, that'll be, that be a big deal for sure.
0: Stoked on it. Cool. Let's get to your uh, tight end and we'll move over to our pump the brakes.
1: Yeah, Skyler's favorite tight end, Trey Burton, was my, uh,
0: my pick for,
1: for the breakout. Needless to say, it didn't, didn't happen, although I will say inexplicably he finished his tight end number eight um, in the in PPR leagues ahead of David Nujoku by a few points. Um, obviously, there's a very steep drop between the top, say, five, and everybody else uh so this this isn't necessarily a compliment to burton as much as it is is a condemnation of the rest of the tight ends in the league um (laughs) but uh but anyway yeah he uh you know i feel the kind of the same way about him going into this upcoming year uh or let me let me put it this way not that he's necessarily a big breakout candidate but that he's you know this is i think we should be clear on what trey burton is at this one i thought you know, getting a starting job finally, given that he looked really good. Again, this is another thing of just tough to extrapolate from situation to situation. But he looked good in limited appearances on the Eagles. Um, he was famous for for you know ridiculous play, you know, late season and playoff performances um, in the the Eagles Super Bowl run. Um, and I think people thought with a full time starting role, he was basically unchallenged at a tight end in Chicago. Uh, that he would have the opportunity to become, you know, a truly elite tight end talent. Um, that's not necessarily always going to be the case. And he ultimately, I think, disappointed in his first season with the Bears. He's still good enough overall uh, to be to be, you know, rosterable and and to some extent startable on most weeks. Um, but, uh, you know, and I do think there's some roof, some room for him to grow. This upcoming year, if Mitch Trubisky take continue to to improve, he did improve a bit this past year. But I kind of feel the way about Burton, like I feel with everybody in the Bears' offense right now, which is just I kind of wait and see. Uh, I think Trubisky needs to take a big step forward between before any of those guys, uh, including the likes of Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, are going to parlay their way into serious fantasy value. Um, so, so we'll kind of, I'm kind of taking a wait and see approach on Burton at this point. I do think he's. Draft, certainly draftable and rosterable as kind of a late tight end one. If you're waiting on tight ends, I think you could potentially do worse than Burton. Um, but I think, I think my sense is, is that he's not going to be pegged as any type of breakout at this point in his career in his second year with Chicago. Um, so, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not nearly as bullish on him going into this upcoming year, but again, you could do worse potentially if you're waiting uh, if you miss on the top, you know, bunch of tight ends. Yes
0: totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. And it's such a, it was really a bummer because there was a lot, a lot of hype, you know, um, for what he did in Philadelphia and everything else. I think just a lot of that came on the super bowl too, the fucking Philly yeah. special and all that shit. Um, but I bought the hype. <laughs> so did Curly and uh, whoopsies. Yep. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Um, all right. Well um, for the tight ends, I, I think tight ends are so weird for a breakout because a lot of times, like these are really young guys too. So there is potential that we haven't even seen the best from David and Joku or Trey Burton yeah so that's true. you know Trey Burton was kind of frustrating and Joku was not frustrating per se but maybe not like the breakout uh, uh, I thought was gonna happen at least but moving forward uh, we could certainly see some some bigger moves once they get older and, and start to develop so um, let's move on to our pump the breakout players on a news. don't believe the high don't don't do not do not I said, easy, big fella. Let's not lose our heads here. Let's not blow this out of proportion. All right, let's everybody just calm the f- down. First, take a big step back and literally f*** your own face. So these players are more in like slowing the hype train a little bit. Okay, So these are guys that come into the season, everybody's hyped, everybody's fired up on them, and for one reason or another, you or I decide that we want to pump the brakes on these players. I'm interested to kick this off right away, man. I just made a big case about how stoked I was about the breakout, again, of Deshaun Watson. Um, you had him as a pump-the-breakout uh, person here on the same same uh, segment. Yep. Um, <laughs> that did. Yeah, just, I mean, a whoops a whoopsies, but let okay. I just made the case about why he broke out again. So let's save all the stats of like what he actually did. Let yep. us know why more. So you actually, you believe to truly believe that he wasn't going to follow up 2017.
1: Yep. So, so no, number one is injury. I think, I think people oftentimes discount when people, when talented players come back from a serious injury, like an ACL or an Achilles or one of these really kind of, debilitating ones I think people discount that too much when they see a really talented player I think people did it with Dalvin cook this upcoming year who, who are gonna I'm gonna get back to in a second um, and I think just in general I'm wary of players coming off of really serious injuries like that that's for starters um, for for and then for the other thing I think it did to some extent have to do with his performance not to say that he wasn't good in that part partial season before he got hurt Obviously, he was, but I thought that he had basically an unsustainable touchdown per- percentage. I mean, he just, it seemed like every time that he you know, got close to the red zone, he would get it in the end zone. And that was the type of thing that, statistically speaking, typically is thought of as being unsustainable. Um, so basically what I saw, I saw you know, a, a player coming off of a really serious injury with a very small sample size of performance to his name. And, uh, you know, really, really ridiculous touchdown luck that seems like it had to be due for some regression. Um, that was my thinking going in. And I, I, I still defend that overall line of thought. I think, you know, going in, you know, I'm trying to think of a, of a comparable situation heading into this upcoming year. Uh, not as much for quarterbacks, I guess. But, um, but you know, it's, I, I maintain that I, that I still get scared of players that are coming off of a situation like Deshaun Watson was coming off of. But what I should have also taken into account was that a super young, this isn't like if, you know, I don't know, Ben Roethlisberger did this to himself, right? I mean, this is, this is, he was, you know, he's 23 now. Um, And, uh, and, you know, he's an immense talent in a good offensive situation with a lot of, with a a good amount of weapons uh, at receiver. Um, And, you know, he's just a really dynamic talent who can get it done in a number of different ways. Um, And, and I am fully, on board with him going into this upcoming year. I do not. Uh, I have no no longer have any trepidations about Deshaun Watson's ability. I, I agree with you that uh, he is in that top five. Uh, I would put him. I agree with you at number four behind Mahomes, Rogers, and Luck. Um and uh, and he's a stud and he's going to be a stud. I think for for many years to come. So I fully uh, am going to you know eat crow on this one and, and acknowledge that I was wrong. I still to some extent stand by my decision making. Uh, I think that decision making will prove to be correct a decent amount of the time. In this case, it just flat out wasn't.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. And that was interesting. I remember last year, or not last year, but earlier in the in the uh, preseason of last year, we kind of battled on this yeah. because, um, you know, and actually this is kind of funny because my player I'm going to bring up is Cam Newton here in a second. Yeah. And it was, it was almost the same thing where, like, you were batting, for Cam Newton, if I remember correctly, and Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck, and yeah. I was not. And again, right. like coming into the season, there's reasons. That's why we do these recap episodes to figure out like why it happened the way that it did. If Desha- uh, Deshaun Watson got hurt or New Coppins got hurt or he threw 15 interceptions and 20 touchdowns, we're not talking about a breakout. You would have been correct, you know. Like there's, there's definitely ways that things could have regressed, but this is how it turned out this year. So I don't, you know, definitely don't hate on you for having the the um, uncertainty about Deshaun Watson. But uh I just was stoked that he would increase. And frankly, it sounds like both of us are expecting maybe a a breakout part part three uh, yep. for Deshaun Watson this year. So maybe the sky's the limit for him.
1: Yeah, I'll move I, on yeah. to.
0: I'll move on to Cam Newton here, um, which is which is interesting. My biggest thing of, of why I, I wanted to pump the brakes on Cam Newton, um, which you know I know you you had a case last year of having him as a top quarterback because I know you love your running quarterbacks, and I don't disagree with you on that. My biggest thing was that he, when I watch, I know the stats don't indicate this per se, but when I watch Cam Newton play, it's almost like he's a one read, run the ball quarterback. And now he's super fucking athletic and he's a beast and he's huge and he's a very good runner. So it works out more often than not, but he's gotten hurt in the past. He gets absolutely destroyed because he puts his body on the line. He's broken all of his ribs. He threw out his shoulder. I mean, like he's, he's a beast and I give him credit for being a a warrior and quote unquote Superman, you know, but like I was worried about that and it wasn't necessarily his running ability that shut him down, but his arm went to shit last year after another surgery and he just he was completely garbage at the end of the season. Um and frankly, I think lost probably knocked out a lot of people from the fantasy championship or playoffs and, and if you made it to the playoffs with him, definitely didn't help you down the stretch um before they cut him before they cut him out. So just some cup you know, I'm not gonna give myself full credit because when he was playing, he was a beast, uh per yeah. usual. I mean yeah, he, was he, he was a
1: borderline M V P candidate for those for those first, you know, more than half of the season, really roughly half of the season
0: yeah he was and he he he, when he was playing weeks one through 13 before they they shut him down he was the QB uh three behind only Mahomes and Breeze during that time ahead of Big Ben well everybody else obviously but um I mean he was with 22 points per game which is great from a quarterback all these other things um my the thing I'll chalk up I guess is that he didn't have the uh, the usual passing, um, stats, you know, he didn't have, uh, he didn't have the rushing stats, uh, so much. I mean, he, he wasn't terrible, but in 2017, he was killing it on the ground. Not so much in 2018. Um, he did have more touchdowns and less picks. So like he did. Okay. But I think the biggest thing was, I just like, I never felt good. I never started him because I didn't draft him in anything, but I never felt good or worried if I was playing against Cam Newton, that he was going to single-handedly beat me. And I think the biggest thing about pump the brakes, a lot of this was like draft position and drafting him as a top echelon quarterback. He never really was that guy on a week to week basis. You know what I mean? Like he threw for three touchdowns just twice on the entire season. And he threw for two touchdowns pretty much every other game. Right. Mm -hmm. He only, he only rushed for four total touchdowns on the season. And after week nine, he didn't rush for any touchdowns and with Cam Newton, you're not drafting his arm. You're drafting his arm a cup like coupled with his legs to make up for a top echelon quarterback. And he just wasn't that guy overall. So he wasn't terrible when he was playing. You mentioned MVP candidate, top three quarterback when he got hurt and they cut him out for the rest of the season. But my argument is he just wasn't like a, a weak winner really at any point during the season. And that's what I need from a top quarterback when I'm drafting him. So I'll give myself half a point here. But really, you know, he 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 lost Devin Funches, uh, obviously, uh, in in free agency. And I'm just not I'm not convinced he's even gonna play in 2019 yet, coming off another surgery, even yeah. if he comes back. I, I I just he's gonna play through injury. I know they're gonna force him out there. They've done it with concussions and shit too. Uh he's just such a marquee name in the South in general and in the state of Carolina. Uh I've been touring through their side tangent. I've been touring through there for a couple of years in uh with music. Um and if you get anywhere close uh, to to uh, the stadium for uh, for the Panthers, Cam Newton fucking runs shit in North Carolina right yep. and I just think they're gonna have to force him back out there if he's even close and we saw what happened with Andrew luck we've seen it over the years with all these quarterbacks and I'm really worried about that I'm completely staying away. I don't give a shit where he's drafted. I'm staying away yep. completely even if he's playing in 2019.
1: Yeah I you know I I have professed my love for Cam Newton a a number of times. I won't necessarily rehash all that. I think he's phenomenal. I agree with you. He doesn't, he doesn't do the same type of, uh, you know, upside in terms of, uh, you know, he's not going to have, like I'm just thinking about the one week that, Oh God, I was so pissed. I can't remember who I was playing in our league of record when I was playing against Ben Roethlisberger and he threw for five fucking touchdowns, (laughs) like like, like 8,000 yards or whatever. But yeah. So Cam Newton's not going to do that. He's not going to do that for you for the most part. Um, But there is something to be said for incredibly stable, so well above average weekly performance, uh, I think, um, in terms of especially if you have the rest of your roster, you know, one thing I hate is when you have all these other guys that are performing well and you lose because your quarterback tanks, uh, you know, and throws a bunch of picks and all that sort of stuff. Cam Newton doesn't do that stuff for the most part. so, so I am a fan of Cam Newton overall. Um, I still justify dra- you know, drafting him, not this upcoming year though. I'm totally with you is that he's scared? He gives me the heebie jeebies going into this upcoming year with his shoulder issues. He's definitely going to be somebody to watch over the course of the preseason. If they do trot him out there um, to sort of see what his arm strength is like, what kind of, what, you know, keep an eye on him. It's possible that I may, as it gets closer, I may agree with you where I'm just flat out not drafting him period. Um, shoulder issues scare me um, and uh, and you know I I agree 100% going into this upcoming year but in general in terms of just what he brings to the table I'm definitely
0: a a big Cam Newton fan yeah fair enough and and again I mean Cam Newton's Cam Newton's again one of those guys who was a league winner for many years I'm just I think the injuries have finally caught up to him he doesn't have any weapons outside of Christian McCaffrey in my opinion Uh, I love DJ Moore but I just don't think he's going to be enough. Um, so anyway, uh, not, not very excited about Cam Newton.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm inclined to agree. So this next for my running back pump, the breakouts, this is more of a kind of a justification of the same decision-making that I made with regards to Deshaun Watson. And that was Dalvin cook who I was majorly pumping the breakout on or pumping the brakes on because uh, one, obviously coming off of an uh, of a ACL injury, uh, which is, you know, one of the toughest to bounce back from that exists. Um, and we, you know, ultimately, we people were banking off of elite performance in a very small sample size in, in his rookie year before he went down with an injury, and that's just not a situation that that gave me a whole lot of excitement heading into last year. And it turns out, I mean, I, you know, I won't, I won't give myself, you know, too much of a pat on the back because he did look pretty decent when he was on the field.
0: Dude, he's so uh, sick if he's healthy. Fuck. For sure, I, I, am, <laughs> I
1: am. I am. I am. No doubt about it. I'm a Dalvin Cook fan. I'm not. I'm not. Trying to throw fi- throw water on the flames of Dalvin Cook as a player, but at least where I was thinking about this last year, um, you know, he definitely gave me a lot of pause-, pause. Plus, they had Latavius Murray, who I had this feeling that he was going to come into some value and actually bolster quite a few carries, and that was actually true, especially in the first part of the year when they were getting Dalvin Cook back up to speed. Then Dalvin Cook got hurt a bunch again, and you know, you know, you know the story over the course of last year. So he definitely, uh, you know. Is, is the reason why I think the way I think about, you know, his performance last year, I should say, is definitely why I think the way I think about injured players, particularly injured players who only have a small sample size of high-quality performance. Um, this being said, I am more bullish on him this upcoming year now that he is supposedly healthy. Uh, people think he's going to be due for a more defined role. Latavius Murray's out of town. Um, you know, so, so I do think that there's a very real chance that he – finally turns into a full, we finally get a full season of the running back that I think we've all been hoping for at of Dalvin cook. He is somebody that I am targeting in the second uh, ish round of drafts. Um, potentially because uh, you know, again, I, I think now that he's further removed from his ACL injury, I think, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit more reason for optimism, but I think I got to give this, give, give myself a, a win on this one for this, for picking him as a pump, the breakout for this past year.
0: Yep. I agree, man. It's, it's, a uh, not much to say here. Cause we don't have a, a big sample size, but I mentioned in a previous podcast, dude. He was, he was, a uh, he was my gamer for, for 2018. And, um, <laughs> he might be again in 2019, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm so hyped on him, dude. Like watching him at Florida state. Uh, he's just a beast. I mean, he's a fucking great running back. He's fast, strong, he's durable. Ugh. um, He's super athletic. He makes plays, yada, yada. It's, it's this, this knee injury, obviously that's an issue. Um, but when he's on the field, man, he's a, he's a force to be reckoned with. So we, we shall see, but I'm, I'm all in again on uh on Dalvin cook in 2019, man. And he, he's the guy probably up in that first, second round that I would go all in draft that high and just prepare the rest of my draft with, seven other running backs <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just yeah, because for sure. like, I'm not, I'm not going to assume he's going to give me a full season, but if I got 10 games out of, out of Dalvin cook and I got, you know, uh maybe what six out of whoever is the best running back in San Francisco, like I'd be pretty stoked on that. You know what I mean? So I think, I think it, I think it'd be worth the risk because Dalvin cook I think does have that upside. So hopefully he stays healthy and we shall see my guy, uh, pump the brakes, Lamar Miller. So, uh, <laughs> man he has been a hot topic on this podcast for for many moons um basically so this one this one's kind of up in the air i mean he wasn't stellar but he was drafted as the white as a running back 20 um you weren't expecting too much honestly anyway uh i don't like lamar miller i mean that's just what it comes down to i just think he's he's not a special running back i think he's kind of slow um he's not uh, very impressive he finishes the wide or the running back excuse me uh 17 so pretty much where you drafted him you know so there's there's not much of an upgrade there he did rush for uh for 100 yards on accident in four different games um what's hilarious is that i traded him um and adrian peterson away uh in our league of record in week six for uh julio hones which i'm very excited about that draft um and if uh was if, your boy, steal, if, your boy, if your boy chris, if your boy chris boswell makes a fucking kick i probably win the league but nonetheless um nonetheless uh, i got rid of i got rid of adrian peterson and lamar miller uh for adrian or um, julio jones the next week week seven wouldn't you know it your boy lamar miller comes out for 22 and 100 yards and and a touchdown against a then pretty motivated still and quality jacksonville defense on the road so he followed that up with 133 yards later and then he carried uh Uh, fantasy owners into the playoffs in weeks 12 and 13 with 162 yards and another hundred yards in weeks 12 and 13. So Lamar Miller got it done enough. I'm not excited on him. I just don't like him as a player. I was worried about his yards per carry going down four years in a row. It actually increased this year by a yard, which is great. Um, But you know, he had, he had back-to-back seasons in 2014 and 15 with eight touchdowns. After that, he's had five, three and five. You know, when you're looking at a, a running back two. I need more than that. Personally, he's been over a thousand yards twice, but just barely over a thousand yards and not since 2016. I love Deshaun Watson. I love the entire Texans offense and Lamar Miller as a receiving back option ish. He's going to do enough because he's in a potent offense and they're going to be inside the red zone. He'll get touchdowns. So I think if you draft him, he'll be okay. I'm just not excited at all for Lamar Miller. I'm still not excited about him. Um, And don't forget that we technically still have, Deontay Freeman, uh, somewhere in the wake. So, you know, not much there, but, but, you know, if he's healthy enough, they're going to give him a chance at least because they've been hanging on to him for two years with nothing. So still not excited. I won't give myself a full point because he wasn't terrible, but, um, I'm, I'm just still staying away from Lamar Miller.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was an interesting pick for a a pump the break. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know what exactly people were thinking about Lamar Miller. I I certainly wasn't thinking of him as a breakout candidate, especially at this point in his career. My whole thing with Lamar Miller was that I just, I I like running backs who are unchallenged in their role, and he was pretty much unchallenged in his role heading into the year. Um, Not to say that I thought that he was all of a sudden going to turn into, you know, Ezekiel Elliott or something along those lines. I think just, uh, you know, that his the fact that he was pretty much the only game in town meant that he was just by default going to come into some carries and potentially get some touchdowns and do okay. Um, And I think he kind of did that ultimately is really uh, is really what the deal is. But I agree with you. I don't, I don't think Lamar Miller's that talented. I don't think he's ever going to be somebody that's going to be a league winner or, or really any any type of, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, immense talent. I just think he's somebody you can get potentially in the middle ish rounds of a draft who is likely to get a decent number of carries and for for a somewhat conservative uh fantasy football player like myself who who likes to pad his rosters with with people who are maybe not necessarily overwhelmingly talented but going to get some touches i think you can do worse than lamar miller but i agree with you he's not somebody that that any i don't i'm I'm holding out any hope is going to all of a sudden become some you know superstar running back
0: Right, and again, you, you can get enough value with him being your, your running back, too. I mean, he, did, yeah. he, he was 13th in the league in rushing attempts. He was 11th in yards, you yeah. know, just behind Nick Chubb, who didn't even start, you know, until week five or whatever. Um, but he was ahead of James Conner and David Johnson in yardage, uh, way down in touchdowns, of course. I think that the hype, yeah. honestly, was just what I just said. Their offense is sick. Deshaun Watson's yeah. gr- great. Their receivers are awesome. They're going to be moving the ball. I think what people assumed would happen more so is that their defense was going to be better more often. Right. Um, and, and and they can be a little bit more of that, not ground and pound per se, but like run focused with play action and Deshaun Watson with bombs. Their defense wasn't super great until the end of the season. And I think that just opened up the passing game a lot more. And if Lamar Miller wasn't in the passing game uh, for whatever reason and game script wise. Then he just wasn't getting the touches, so I think that's a little bit where the hype was. I more yeah. just put it down because I wanted to throw some throw some okay. vial at him, but you throw know, some, throw some shade on Armillar. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, which I'll let you uh, I'll let you try to back up your case here with your wide oh, receiver Christ picks. Me. And this is this is a, this <laughs> a unique situation because this is not a player; this is a a team. <laughs> I picked a team. Yeah.
1: So it was really there was a lot of ways in this in, in which this could go right for me. Uh, somehow none of that happened, um, and I was wrong <laughs> in every conceivable way. I've actually been very excited to talk about this. So I chose, I chose the Rams receiving core as my pump the breakouts for receiver, uh, literally all three of them. And my thinking at the time was, th- when I say all three of them, I mean, of course, uh, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, and Cooper Cupp, um, who who were all being drafted reasonably
0: high, I think, well, uh, going into this past year. I think I think the listeners know who you're talking about because they, you know, obviously you didn't pump the brakes on Josh Reynolds.
1: Of course not. No, I was full steam ahead on the Josh Reynolds hype hype train. I'm still
0: full steam ahead on the Josh Reynolds hype train. That's of course
1: a long established fact. Um, But uh, but yeah, I you know my thinking was I didn't necessarily buy into Jared Goff as much as I wanted to. He's a Cal guy. I support my my fellow Cal hometown kid. (laughs) Um, Hometown kids, right? uh, Went to Marin Catholic uh, High School, kind of rival high school of ours, if you will. Um, and, uh, I just didn't think his level of quarterback play would be able to sustain three receivers at a high level. And I was pumping the break. I I like Cooper cup. Uh, to some extent I like Brandon cooks. I was pumping the brakes, especially on Robert Woods. I just didn't think Robert Woods was that good to be honest. I mean, just based on what I had seen from him in years prior, I just didn't necessarily think he really had all that much to offer. So between. You know, kind of like questionable in my in my view, questionable level of talent and just not enough opportunity with with Jared Goff at the helm. I just figured there would be no way that any of any of these three guys would be able to necessarily return value around where they were being drafted. Well, it turns out they pretty much all did. Um, as a matter of fact, quite above what they were drafted. Robert Woods finished as wide receiver number nine. In PPR leagues, um, Brandon Cooks finished as 16, and Cooper Cup finished as uh, 47. But that was only because he got hurt and only ended up playing in eight games. He was quite a beast before that happened. So, needless to say, uh, this was a spectacular miss in the in the sense. Again, I would probably would have given myself something of a pat on the back if even one or two of those guys had busted, but somehow none of them did. Yep. Um, so, so needless to say, uh, I you know. Do not question the Rams offense. Do not question Jared Goff. Um, they are one of the most dynamic, I mean, along with Kansas City and probably New Orleans, one of the most dynamic offensive machines in the league right now. Um, and uh, and needless to say, I will not be making this prediction again <laughs> heading into next year. They are the real deal. Um, and all those guys have the potential to to for uh, somewhat repeat performances, I'll say.
0: Yeah, and they're they're you know they're only a Belichick away from a Super Bowl, honestly. Too, you right, know, what I mean, like right. they're they're monsters. And just uh, going back a little bit, um, let's see here. Last year's ADP going into draft season of last year, uh, Brandon Cooks, wide receiver, twenty four. Cooper Cup, wide receiver, thirty two. Somehow, Robert Woods was the third out of those three, and he was all the way down at wide receiver. 42 between mike williams jordy nelson and sterling Shepard, which i think is really surprising just yeah. i think he's the number one there um but i think that's uh you know you and i threw some shade in general of course i gave shit to uh brandon cooks you gave shit to robert woods and then ultimately called out the whole team um and you know we're we're very bashful about josh reynolds for really no particular reason it's kind of just a running joke at this point on the podcast but nonetheless. When Cooper Cup went down and, and Josh Reynolds came in, he was also a stud. So this is another thing, like we talked about in the last podcast with the, uh, the running backs in Kansas City, the offense of the Rams is good. So it's kind of just next man up, like for real, for real. I know that's cliche in the NFL, but when your offense is that good and clicking, everybody's going to be a part of it, you know? So yeah. I don't think you can go wrong with anybody. If I were to draft any Rams receiver – which I haven't really gone into my full rankings on all these guys because just, they're just kind of a conundrum for me, honestly. The guy I like the most, I think, with a full healthy season is actually Cooper Cup. Sure. Um, because I just, Cooper Cup and golf are BFFs, but he's like, he's the red zone target when they get down there. He's the bigger yeah. body, he's the red zone guy. Now, he got hurt, but we've seen last year, uh, two years ago, and last year before he got hurt, healthy. I really actually like, um, cooper cup uh, to be honest with you so uh this will be interesting but yeah that's uh that's kind of a pie in the face um to, oh, to just just considering how good they all actually actually were there so um i'll move on to mine and uh it was it was doug baldwin i've thrown shade on doug baldwin this entire podcast i'm gonna make this quick and then probably not talk about doug baldwin ever again on the podcast um <laughs> but basically he was uh, wide receiver 16 going in the fourth round coming in with injuries uh i was not stoked on it i thought there was going to be a run first uh, option here, and again, I've I've gone over the Seahawks many, many, many times on this podcast. Basically, what it came down to was I didn't believe in Doug Baldwin being a number one, number one, uh, number one on his team. I could get because I wasn't really into Tyler Lockett. I'm still not, honestly, even with the efficiency. Um, I love Russell Wilson as I mentioned, but I thought it was gonna be a run based team, which it is. I thought the defense was gonna be not as good, which actually they really surprised me on how they kept their shit together as they dissolved the Legion of Boom. Um, but for me, it was more just I didn't believe in Doug Baldwin being a, you know, middle wide receiver, too, as far as drafting is is going. I mean, Jarvis Landry, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Hogan, uh, Golden Tate, these guys are all being drafted behind him. And at the time, I probably would have taken Jarvis Landry, Juju for sure, Josh Gordon even at the time, Golden Tate, all those guys I probably would have taken, Marquise Goodwin, Mar- Brandon Cooks, all those guys I probably would have taken in my own drafts ahead of, Doug Baldwin, um, I just didn't believe in it. Clearly he got hurt and he didn't play most of the season healthy. Uh, but when he came back, he was fine down the stretch like he is every year. For some reason, like week 12, I feel like Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin go out to dinner and they're like, all right, dude. So, you know, we're three games back in the division and we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're shooting for that number six seed. Uh, let's go out and just fucking torch and back into the playoffs. And sure enough, they did it once again. Um Doug Baldwin came onto the scene really in, in week uh, 16, 12 targets, seven receptions, 126 and a touchdown, two touchdowns versus the Niners in week 15, a touchdown um, in week 13 also versus the Niners. So he was just fine. but But up until that, I mean, he really killed half of your season playing, but not effectively, which is so much worse than just being out. You know, yes. because when yes. a guy is healthy, you play him because you're like, oh, he's Doug Baldwin, fucking Russell Wilson, whatever. You play him every week and he gives you, you know, five catches for 40, 41 yards, two catches for 26, four for 77, five for 32. Uh, you know, that kills your team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, which is which is really a bummer. So not a super Doug Baldwin hater as a player like in general, but for fantasy, very, very frustrating didn't predict the injuries per se, but definitely predicted the slow recovery and he didn't catch on until too late, frankly, um, until the fantasy playoffs. And and if you were playing Doug Baldwin throughout the whole season, you probably weren't in the fantasy playoffs. Um, So uh, I rest my case on Doug Baldwin, but uh, I'm going to chalk myself up here on the, on the pump, the brakes.
1: Yep. I I definitely, I definitely agree with you. And this is, this is uh, something that, that ended up hurting me. I took Doug Baldwin in one of our leagues uh, and and, it was exactly that. Luckily I, I had my other, the rest of my team was stacked with receiving talent. So it didn't end up destroying me too badly, but, um, but yeah, it was a frustrating scene uh, to watch and he definitely was not healthy. It's not entirely clear what his status is going to be coming into this upcoming year. Um, Definitely. I'm not, I was really bullish on him going into last year. I thought that he and, and, uh, and Russell Wilson were primed to have a big year together. Um, Didn't happen. Uh, I'm definitely, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to say that I won't draft Doug Baldwin this upcoming year, but I'm definitely feeling a little more sketchy than I was uh for sure given given where he's at his age and his and his injury history and all that sort of thing and and just in a plan which appears to be run the ball every down so, yeah, <laughs> uh, nice shit. so so that's that's another big concern um all right so i'll go ahead and move on into my tight end uh pump the breakouts which was i'll give myself a big pat on the back on which was evan engram who will um, not
0: who will not be a pump the breaks this year <laughs>
1: No, probably not, actually. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, yeah, he was uh, – I mean, ultimately, he was better. He finishes the tight end 16. He was better than that. Um, he did get hurt for a bit. He only played in 10 games. At least by average numbers, he was better than the likes of Kyle Rudolph, Trey Burton, David Njoku, uh, and company, uh, all, of, all of whom finished ahead of him. But, uh, but yeah, he's – you know, my whole thing on him heading into this upcoming year was a lot of his big year in 2017 was based on opportunity. Odell Beckham was hurt quite a bit. Sterling Shepard was hurt quite a bit. Uh, they obviously Saquon Barkley did not exist yet in the NFL. Um, and and he was kind of the only game in town over there for Eli Manning to throw to. And he made the most of his opportunity, you know, to, to give him some credit. But he wasn't particularly efficient. Fish, uh, he dropped a lot of passes. He wasn't really separating himself from his defenders very well. There was a lot of red flags in his performance that suggested that he was due to come back to earth in a very, very serious way. Um, and, and, you know, pretty much most of his success in 2017 was in weeks where Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard didn't play. Um, so, you know, and, and every, pretty much all that came to fruition. When those guys were in the lineup this past year, for the most part, he didn't do much. He also struggled with injuries, which was not necessarily something I was expecting. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so I need to say, I'll give myself a, a correct, uh, a, you know, a, a full point on this one. I agree with you, though, without, uh, you know, Od- Odell Beckham out of town, I'm not entirely sure what to make of of Sterling Shepard, um, and obviously Saquon's a beast, uh, you know, and he will be the the undoubted focal point of that offense. But I do think there's some room for Evan ingram to have something of a bounce back, actually, um, and and reestablish himself, assuming he stays healthy as a as a, a part of the offense, and especially again in a weak tight end field, he could end up uh, returning some real value uh, for you uh, if you take him in kind of the middle ish or middle late rounds. Um, so, so I'm, you know, I, I still think there's potential for him as a player, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be the top tight end that I think maybe people were thinking after his rookie season.
0: I totally agree, and actually, I think it's interesting because you could make a case that uh, that Evan Ingram kind of jumps categories here and goes from pump the brakes to a breakout, <laughs> a re-breakout, if you will, yeah. Yeah, yeah breakout part a, a re a re breakout. I guess you're right, but again on that on the rookie season, it's just it's so weird for me to consider a rookie season a breakout because you have no barometer. Like right. like Mahomes this year is not a breakout in my opinion. I know it's a second year, but I'm gonna call it yeah. a rookie year, just whatever yeah. playing experience. But I wouldn't call it a breakout per se. Um, just because, like, you have no barometer before that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Baker Mayfield and all this shit. You know, that kind of stuff. So, anyway, I think it it, it could be interesting to see him actually flip categories and get into the breakout, re-breakout scene, uh, as we just said. But I, I agree with you, man. Without Odell in town, I think Evan Ingram's going to be a focal point. And they just, oh, dude, they just gave Eli Manning a $5 million signing bonus. I know.
1: The Giants. The no, I get it. He's, I think, a, he's,
0: a, he's a good clubhouse guy, which which yeah, you, and I, yeah. you and I, speaking of Giants, Jesus Christ you and I know far too well the the San Francisco baseball giants have been leading the league in good clubhouse guys who don't do shit for your for your baseball team forever all the way back to the likes of Marvin Bernard and and uh you know Stan Javier which we won't digress too much but nonetheless
1: defensive specialist
0: sure um they they have a (laughs) they have a uh they have a, a, a you know a kinship with with Eli. I get it. He's their dude. They're going to keep him on for one more year, draft a quarterback this year, have him live under his wing like they did with Mahomes and uh, Eli. And I hope for Giants fans, uh, excuse me, Mahomes and uh, Alex Smith, I hope for Giants fans that that works out. And then next year they have a young budding quarterback with um, Saquon, some new receivers, Evan Ingram, yada, yada. Um, I'm not super stoked on everything this year per se. I think Saquon's actually going to, Uh, get stuffed a little bit, even with his immense talent. We'll get into that later on, but uh, Evan Ingram, I do think is a nice, uh, a nice compliment in that second tier of tight ends for sure. I'll get into my tight end and then we'll buzz out of here, man. Um, Mine was OJ Howard and this one's kind of middle of the road. Um, The pump, the brakes was, I just think like they had, there was so much hype in OJ Howard coming off a a solid rookie season as a tight end. And we all know that rookie tight ends generally don't really do much um, because of the development, but, uh, uh, he actually had a really solid season in 2017 as a rookie, 26 catches, 400 yards, and six touchdowns. And I think everybody just thought those numbers would do, uh, double minimum um, with uh, with um, this, this uh, Buccaneers offense taking a, a serious upgrade. The challenge was, though, they had different quarterbacks seemingly every week. Um, they had re-signed uh, Cameron Brait. Um, They had Adam Humphreys come out of nowhere to take over the middle of the field and uh, OJ Howard had his own injuries. So unfortunately he finished the season with 34 catches, 565 yards and five touchdowns. So pump the brakes was accurate. I'll give myself credit on that, but I think this is more to do with his numbers would have been much better. He got hurt now for the season in week 11 when he was put on IR, excuse me, with a foot and ankle injuries um, to end his season. I think he's another guy that could be a true breakout candidate in 2019 with Bruce Arians coming over Bruce Arians isn't crazy on the tight end position per se but his offense is going to be sick and if Jameis stays healthy with uh, Adam Humphreys out of town um, I think that 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 whole middle of the field there is going to be uh, OJ Howard's to enjoy and I'm really fucking stoked on Chris Godwin which we'll get into later on but they he and Mike Evans are going to be out on the side or kind of a a deeper slot. And I just think the whole middle of the field is going to be um, OJ Howard's to, uh, to, you know, feast in, I mean, he's 6'6, 250 out of Alabama where they just kind of raise NFL prospects. So I'm, I'm actually really stoked on OJ Howard coming in 2019 for the 2018 pump, the brakes. I'll give myself a, a full credit on that. Although it might've been a bit skewed because he did get injured in 2011. So if he played a full season, I probably would not be able to claim this. So it's a little bit wishy washy, but I just still don't think he was as incredible even in the games that he played that we all thought. Although I do think that is potentially going to happen in 2019.
1: Yeah, 100. Yeah, he's definitely somebody that if 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 you miss out on the big three on tight ends and you yet are hesitant, you you don't want to wait uh, till 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 the end. I think you got to take OJ Howard in the fifth or sixth ish round or something along those lines. I think he's going to be. Uh, you know i I think this is going to be the year for him he would he's definitely my uh just you know as a sneak preview he'll definitely be my my breakout um coming into this year i think he's got a big opportunity i think he and james are going to do well um and uh and yeah i i'm 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 all in on him but you're definitely right it didn't didn't quite
0: work out for him uh this past year do me a favor before we get out of here rank hunter henry oj howard david and joku uh, let's throw Eric Ebron in there and Evan Ingram. So Henry, Howard, Njoku, Ebron, and Ingram.
1: Oh, man, that's a tough one. Okay, well, I'm going to start. I'll say for right now, I'm, I'm big on OJ Howard, so I'll have him as, as the first of that, of that bunch. Um, after that, I think I'm taking Hunter Henry. Um, then I think I'm taking Njoku. Uh, then I will take Evan Ingram, and then I will put Ebron at the end.
0: Fair enough. Cool. I'm yeah. a little bit mixed. I've actually got I've actually got Hen, uh, Henry, Howard, and Joku, Ebron, and Ingram. But nonetheless, yeah. would we agree that Kelsey Kittle and Ertz, and whatever level you you know ranking you have them, are the top three? Obviously, that's the top tier. The second yeah. tier of tight ends, though, is who we just mentioned.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100. percent Yeah, and then there's really nobody. I mean, it's a steep drop after that. You're you're in you know I guess what Jared Cook territory. Yeah, maybe Gronk
0: Drunk. if he plays. Yeah. I mean, Herndon, yeah. Walker, Hooper, Doyle, Burton. You know, those yeah. guys. So yeah. Yeah. nothing, yeah. nothing too sexy after that. So get your tight end early. That's the moral of this episode. <laughs> awesome, man. we' we'll, we're, we're kind of coming to the end with you on the podcast, but uh, we'll get you on for, for another one or two before you get out of here. And I uh, always appreciate you being on, man.
1: Cool, man. Thanks. Appreciate it.
0: That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to email us your fantasy questions heading into 2019 to TCK Pod or DM us on Instagram at The Candlestick Kids. We use the hashtag TCK Pod if you want to check out previous posts. And you can now find us on Facebook at The Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Slash TCKPod. If you have any value from this podcast, please give us a like and a follow. We would much, much appreciate it. It would mean the world to us. Make the most of the rest of your day, and we will catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. For Dana Sancato, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe.